Hi. So, um, Hello. Hi, Rachel. Honey, Laura. This is Rachel, Chef Rachel Summerman. And I met Rachel last year um, on a dating app. We, we oh. went out for one date where I um, made them some chicken chili that I forgot to cook the um, garbanzo beans. That was <laughs> our claim was to fame. So delicious. <laughs> oh my God. And so um, Honey and I, ha- Honey and I have known each other for, oh my God, how long? I don't know, too long. <laughs> Probably like 15 years, um, we did burlesque together. She was my burlesque student. Um, And um, we have had a podcast since last fall. And now we are pivoting to food. And so this is our new pod called Les Eat. And- Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Did I forget? I think I forgot that that's what we should call it. So Les, introduce ourselves. Honey, do you want to start? Yeah. uh, Honey LaFleur um perpetual bad mood no I don't know um I don't know I'm just a queer figuring it out in Portland um I will like for full transparency I'm so into this idea of like food but I am like the worst food guest ever because I am just constantly impressed with food and like sometimes I feel like good food is like too much for me to handle (laughs) like I don't like trash food I'm like that weird in the middle like basic boring bitch because I don't necessarily like fast food um I appreciate good food but like going to a fancy restaurant and blowing a bunch of money on like good food has never been something that I'm like yes that's what we're doing like it I'm just like food is good I don't know (laughs) yeah I think that's a valid perspective (laughs) Rachel do you want to introduce yourself um, Rachel Summerman, um, she, her, um, what else should I say? Something about, I'm a professional chef. I've been doing it for 20 years. Um, I run a volunteer sort of collective organization, um, to sort of shift resources into marginalized community, um, activist led organizations. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Queer. That's okay. That's okay. Queer, queer lady. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And I'm JT Newman. Um, I ha- I dabble in cooking. I like to cook. I like to, um, to talk about food, think about food, eat food, um, make food, all the things. So let's go ahead. Um, honey, do you want to start with our questions? uh yeah do you do you actually want to start I can't I'm gonna pull them up but I can't see them sure. right now because I didn't think about that on my phone sure 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 um so Rachel tell us about how you got involved in cooking where you're from where you live now etc um where to begin well I was born and raised in Madison Wisconsin um and half half Jew a half Jew um, and I think that that is pertinent to some of my food obsession. Um, my, my family is like very food focused. Um, so I had some pretty er- early training to like have that be an important part of my living experience. <laughs> um, and then I, you know, I moved around quite a bit, um, into my adulthood, you know, after moving out of the house and, landed in Chicago 
And I don't know, I've been cooking professionally um, or in professional kitchens since I was a teenager, um, but didn't really realize that that was sort of like my career avenue um, until I was an undergrad um, doing something completely unrelated and realizing that I was, you know, ditching class to cook dinners and still working full time in a kitchen um, and not and caring less about academia and more <laughs> more about my food adventures so awesome um I have like a follow-up on that if I may yeah um just because I'm so curious about that like you didn't really like identify food as like a career at first or like like was there more to it than just realizing that you were like ditching class <laughs> to well, um to cook food yeah I think um I mean, I like to say, and this is like kind of a joke, but it's, it's only funny because it's so true is I I kind of think that I made chefing my career as like a a means to justify my extreme obsession and like neurosis (laughs) with food, you know? So it's like, if I was like, it would be considered unhealthy of me to be like as food centric and focused as I am, I think without the chef title, (laughs) but because I'm a chef, it's like, Oh, (laughs) Oh yeah, of course. That makes sense. That's what you do for your job. (laughs) That's awesome. Totally awesome. So what has it been like in your, throughout your career, um, being a queer working in professional kitchens? Well, it's interesting. I've thought about that a little bit and, um, in my own personal experience, and I can't, you know, I can't speak to the restaurant industry in its entirety, but um, I've always been like out and open and I might feel differently if I was somebody that felt like I had to keep that part of me more guarded in general. But um, I've not witnessed or experienced um any troubles because of my queerness like that really wasn't like an access barrier in any way in my career um we can talk about um sort of the obscene language that is like tossed around in kitchens that um is often equal opportunity disrespectful if you're not somebody who identifies as like a cis hat white man <laughs> um but it it's not like um that language was one I when I I personally haven't been like particularly bothered by that beyond any other like stupid shit where my response is like oh you're calling something gay because you're dumb and you don't have a better vocabulary versus versus like taking on any of that personally um more so um the access barriers that I've encountered has been due to my womanhood and not my mm-hmm. queerness I think oh, interesting plus stuff in uh restaurant industry is relatively accepted beyond being you know like as a pansexual woman having some of that like bisexuality nature be fetishized like it is in most spaces with men (laughs) um 
like beyond that sort of stupid shit, I think that I haven't, yeah, I haven't really had my queerness be an issue so much as my femaleness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Has, has it been any better since Me Too or since all of that stuff broke in New York or? Um, I think that there have been some strides in some spaces for improvement, but I also think that we've, we're starting at a, like a pretty, there's like a pretty low bar there. Um, and yeah. like any kind of change, it takes a lot of work and effort and time. Um, so yes, I think that the Me Too movement um, helped to shed some light on the situation and to start empowering women to speak up for themselves um, in those spaces. Um, and at the very least, make men fearful that they'll be held accountable for their actions for the first time in their life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but that being said, you know, it's still it's still an environment very much controlled by the white patriarchy. So, yeah, there, uh, there's still plenty of issues there to contend with. Yeah, I actually just heard. Uh, I was going to put a question in our list and then I didn't hear about this until like late last night, but I just heard about the top chef scandal. Yeah. Have you, what? yeah, where like, okay. So the winner of top chef, like it just came out that like, um, the J- the James Beard foundation is like standing behind it or whatever too. But like he, cause isn't he a James Beard chef or no, I don't um, follow top chef or but like, this oh, go ahead. Tell us, tell us what happened. <laughs> I don't even know so, either. Okay. So, um, hang on, let me like Google it. So I know exactly what I like, um, I'm talking about. Cause I heard it on like a TikTok. <laughs> the like yeah. queer woman that does the news under the desk talked about it. And she actually used to work for the James Beard foundation. Like, yeah. um, so he was, uh, reportedly fired Gabe Iralis um, had been high or fired in December of last year for sexual harassment. Um, mm-hmm. But Top Chef also kept him as the winner, even yeah. though like countless people have come out and said that he like is a full on like predator. Yeah. And um, they're claiming that they, they weren't aware. Yes. The oh, and that, and that like nothing sexually explicit or something. I can't remember the word that she used, but because it was not like, what they call like rape rape as like Whoopi Goldberg famously called it like because it was just like it seemed to be a lot of like comments and like like I guess nothing physical ever was reported um they're like it's fine yeah cool 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 (laughs) okay that was it I just like thought about that and I was like oh my god I wonder if Rachel knows about this yeah I do um (laughs) I don't, I don't really follow Top Chef. So I didn't, like, I didn't even know who the winner was until I saw that mm-hmm. come out. And I was like, I don't even know who that guy is. Um, I, um, I take issue with um, a lot of the celebrity chefs and um, even, even things like Michelin or whatever, um, because all of those things were, created out of and steeped in the patriarchy um so 
so that all of these issues are sort of like ingrained and indoctrinated in all of those systems. Um, so I, or earlier in my, my career, I made the decision to like not subscribe to any of that stuff. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't really support it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I like, I'm also curious with like the whole, um, like celebrity chef kind of thing. Cause like, you know, I live in Portland, which like is no Chicago, but it definitely is known for it's like food. Um, sure. and like, that also makes me kind of think of like, um, appropriation, especially yeah. here. Like we had the, the guy who, uh, Gabe Rucker, I think is his name, um, tried to do a, uh, the fuck was his uh pock pock he tried to do one in la and they pushed andy, him out andy okay. andy yes yeah <laughs> i don't know why i keep thinking it came um oh because there's another chef named gabe that does fucking shitty restaurants um but uh, but yeah he they pushed him out because he kept saying like we're bringing vietnamese food to la and all the like vietnamese women that have been cooking and like uh-huh. food carts and like out of their yeah. homes and doing like you know pickup we're like what excuse me (laughs) yeah um that is a I don't you know it's something that I think about a lot um as a white woman I'm not I don't know if I have anything of super value to add to the conversation because we need to be listening to BIPOC about um all of that um the word the word of cultural appropriation is like so tricky as well um because I think a lot of people hear that and white white people want to turn it into what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do um so uh, like oftentimes the response is like what just because I'm white I'm I can't cook Thai food um and that's not really what the conversation is about um, it's about, I think, let me just preface it with my opinion. <laughs> my opinion is, um, I would like to see it more focused on who's profiting and who gets access and like leveling the playing field so that not so white people don't make tacos anymore, but that we're committed as an artistic and creative and also business community to create spaces and opportunities and remove all of these barriers that marginalized people have in in doing these things and being mindful as consumers as well. But particularly if we're chefs, if you're a chef, um, Stephanie Izard is like a really easy example in Chicago of a woman that has created an empire out of different culturally focused materials, restaurants. Um, And I'm not, I don't want to sit here and say like, you're not allowed to do that cultural appropriator. what, What I want to ask her to do is be mindful and committed into creating opportunities for chefs that don't look like her Mm. and um, 
focusing time and energy on giving back and solving some of these problems since she's profiting off of these things heavily. Like she's got plenty of resources at her fingertips to create some real change. She's got a lot of power. So yeah, um, that, that is what I want white chefs to do that are exploring other cultures, cuisines. That's yeah. it's not, not stop. You don't have to stop doing that, but yeah, so, there's a part of me that wants to be like, nah, bitch, you don't have to take up that space. Like stay in your lane and allow that space for somebody else. Like as white people, we can sit the fuck down every once in a while. Yeah. Take, take a back seat, which we're not very good at, but if you're not going to do that, <laughs> yeah, then think, think, just be thoughtful. I would like for people to be more mindful and mm-hmm. do do better to create a positive impact on the world instead of just profit, profit, profit. Yeah. So let's talk about food. Let's pivot <laughs> to cuisine since we're talking about different cuisines. What are you cooking today? What's what's mm-hmm. going on? What are you obsessed with? How are you? What are you working on? Well, <laughs> so I always have to think about. We discussed how I'm like not really great at. Um, talking about like a specialty or whatever because I really um and am currently and have committed myself my entire career to like learning as much as I can about food which means pushing myself and my boundaries about which cuisines I explore and whatever so obviously I've had jobs that dictate like what type of cuisine I'm making for those particular restaurant spaces but um you know, like in my, I'm just food obsessed. So in my personal time, I'm constantly reading and cooking and nerding out um, about different foods. So like my favorite thing to cook is something that I've never cooked before. I love that. I love that. That was one of the things when I met you that I was impressed about was your expression of how, how much you cook and how much you like explore things and how often you're engaging in and, you know, I've, I've been watching your social posts over the last, I don't know, nine months or something. And like listening to you say, oh yeah, I dug out that toffee sauce that I, that was a failure from, you know, oh, a yeah. month ago and put it in my cookie and like that, then it was <laughs> something new that you made from what was essentially something I probably would have thrown out, you know? Yeah. Well, I really, um, I hate food waste. Um, and also there's just. Uh, I think if you like remove ego a bit from all of that equation, like if you mess up, you're like in a calmer space to just like, Hey, this isn't a disaster that big a deal. Maybe I can put it aside and fix it later, or maybe I can fix it now. Um, and it's just food, you know? So I don't know mess ups are always an opportunity to a learn something but b maybe create something that you didn't think you were going to initially yeah. you just gotta be flexible and create can I, yeah can I ask really fast just because for me as someone who doesn't cook but also I fall into that like weird ego perfectionist thing that I think plagues people who cook just in general like yeah um how do you work around that? Like literally as someone who would like to not have my night ruined when like 
the di- the shitty dinner I make tastes not great. <laughs> well, like I'm I just think, so curious. I think something that helped me early on is being like surrounded by fragile male egos that would have like <laughs> tantrums when something was messed up and you like and I got to like watch that process and like very logically be like, "Huh, this tantrum is not helping anything. Like it's actually making it worse yeah soccer if we can learn how to be emotionally responsible in our spaces and like for ourselves we could maybe work better and put out better product and also just not feel shitty about being at work because our our job is really hard so yeah why not do everything in our power to at least make it semi-enjoyable because we're already on our feet for a bazillion hours, sweat, blood, and tears involved in, you know, everything that we do. So Mm -hmm. like, let's, let's learn how to manage our emotions, shall we? (laughs) Um, But then the other thing is, um, you know, being able to take a breath and be like, it's just food. Like we're not curing cancer. I love that. We're not nothing as important as food is in my life. At the end of the day, it's not so important that we need to like have our egos wrapped up in it it's just it's just food okay it becomes shit eventually no matter how good or bad it was to begin with (laughs) it literally turns into shit that is true uh what perspective i love (laughs) yeah so speaking of repurposing leftovers (laughs) or turning things into other things um let's talk a little bit about your your um volunteer-led efforts um to to get food in the in the hands of hungry people that was something that was really interesting to me that we talked about before yeah so getting I mean getting food into the hands of people who don't have food is for sure a major part of what we do but essentially essentially I connect restaurant industry resources with marginalized community-led activist organizations to achieve their goals, whether that be feeding people or fundraising for their mission or whatever it is um, under their leadership. So I'm not imposing necessarily like what what I think needs to happen to solve this issue that is like not even remotely my area of expertise let alone the fact that I'm a white woman I'm don't I don't need to be telling BIPOC communities or other types of communities what they what they need to flourish they know and they're already doing that work there's plenty of amazing NFPs out there that are doing that work so I'm just in service to them um that means that um so sometimes that looks like rest restaurants themselves coming to me and saying, we have an overabundance of this, or we're changing our menu. So we have all this product that we don't need anymore. Um, and then I can connect them through my mutual aid networks with where that food can go. So it's not thrown out. Um, sometimes that looks like straight up, like organizations asking for hot meals for their community that I get donated from different restaurants. And sometimes that looks like 
straight up like fundraising, like auctioning off fancy dinners or, or whatever. Um, so yeah. Awesome. That's so cool. I think that's so important and cool and like so different. And I think, uh, thinking about how you were talking about like these people like already know what they need. So like figuring out how I can help and like what it is that I can do. And I think that's such an important tenant of like mutual aid or like, you know, we talk about mutual aid over nonprofit these days, but like, yeah, I, I just like, I love that. I'm in awe and just so like, so stoked that something like this exists. Um, yeah, it was really sort of born from me trying to do more than what I was doing. Um, yeah. And having, you know, doing some exploration in the NFP world and realizing how many, how many NFPs are already out there doing the work. Um, many of which we kind of never hear about because they're not the ones um, being batched by celebrities or whatever, like they're, but they're doing really important work and they just don't have the funding to be as promoted. Um, and then thinking about like, well, starting like my own like official NFP is problematic in my mind because there's already so many out there that they end up competing for funding. Um, their messages might be sort of working towards the same thing, but then sort of like distracting from one another um, as opposed to like working together. So it ends up being like kind of combative in a situation where we should be collaborative. Um, and so, yeah, I just, it, it felt like, I'm like, listen, I'm a chef. I'm thoughtful and aware of things in the world, but like, I'm no expert on any social justice issues. Um, and so it felt better to me anyways, to be in service of missions that were already in, in practice. Yeah. I love that. Is there like a favorite of yours that, um, we could like share with folks? Well, or even a my few? organization, I just realized I didn't even say the name. So my organization <laughs> is called Chef Friends for Justice. Um, and people in the Chicago area can get connected with other organizations through us if they want. Um, and okay. especially restaurant industry people um, that are looking to like do more and get more involved and don't know where to start. Like we can, we can take care of that for you. But um, I consistently work with a lot of really great organizations in Chicago. Um, Brave Space Alliance is a really good one. Um, it's one of the only, if not the only, um, Black-led, trans-led um, mutual aid organizations. Um, and they do a really good, like, focused job of serving their community. Um, who else can I tell you about? Conwin um, is an organization in Chicago that uh, fights against gender-based AAPI violence. Um, and we just did a fundraiser for them. And then there's a bunch of, you know, pantries and mutual aid network people. Um, and they're just like all over the place. They're in like every neighborhood in Chicago, if you just look. Um, 
So if you wanted to get involved with one in your neighborhood, I would just say do a Google of your neighborhood and the mutual aid. And there's one, I'm sure, right around the block. Um, but I've worked with um, Pilsen Pantry and uh, the Love Fridge and uh, Food Not Bombs Humble Park. There's just like, they're just all over the place and it's really great. That is so cool. I love that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we'll put all of that in our show notes. I just was taking copious notes as you talked. So, oh, good. I did too. <laughs> well, I'm going to check a couple of those names with you later. But um, yes. What else? I think we should go ahead and do our um, honey. Do you want to talk about one for the jar? Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So we have. Well, we actually have two because we've got the jar and then we've got the glitter in the air. I always forget this whole thing. So explain. (laughs) So, okay. So we have a little tradition where at the end, we either have one for the douchebag jar, (laughs) which is like my favorite new girl reference where they always have Schmidt put money in the douchebag jar. Yeah. Right. Um, So that's sort of like our one for the jar where we just like read to filth (laughs) something that really is just like burning our toast. Or, and it can literally be anything. Um, or we also have uh, glitter in the air for something that you're really stoked about. Um, so like, for example, my glitter in the air is my arc uh, leotard that I ordered. Um, and my fair, so like I'm living my Farrah Fawcett dreams today. I feel like yeah. that like poster, you know? Yeah. Um, you look great. So thank you very much. <laughs> we all look great it's honestly let's yeah, just really admit good. it yeah yeah the, the longer my hair gets what well it's a podcast so they'll have no idea but everyone should just know that we're all phenomenally beautiful yes. <laughs> and we're all very attractive why, humans that's why it's podcast medium because probably a video would be too difficult for people to focus on the I think that's just like, love you. I think that's fair. So what's, what's your glitter in the air one for the jar this week, Rachel? Um, well, in my, in my personal life, um, I, I just signed a contract, um, that puts me in an ownership culinary director of operations, like a big deal, a big deal grown up job, which is great after the pandemic struggle. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's so cool my glitter in the air this week is that I am baking a whole bunch of stuff for my girlfriend's niece's wedding shower next weekend oh my god yeah so we we did a whole bunch of like test bunt cakes last weekend and everything is gluten-free because there's a few gluten-free people and I'm really excited about it that's awesome super yummy and moist (laughs) ah I love it um, I do have a one for the jar and that is everything that is going on to like ruin black women's lives right now. Like fuck the Olympics. Just like, don't fucking watch them. <sighs> the other, like the dude that just got released from jail. I will not say his name. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. fuck all of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like, I do think it was interesting how you said like, and I think it's so true. Like earlier when Rachel, you were saying that like, being a woman is a little harder than like being a queer person. And I think that that always only in that space. 
I mean, and I, and I agree. I do think that like anything other than like a cis dude is, is always just like, so it's so hard. (laughs) And then when all the other intersections come into play, it's like, fuck. (laughs) And I just don't understand why we haven't burned everything to the ground. And like, I feel like we just fucking should, like, I am so ready to do it. I just want like one or two people behind me and I will start burning things. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'm ready, but I don't, I don't really want, yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to claim like, which is harder to take that space because like everybody's journey is different. And I know that like a lot of people have had like really difficult queer journeys and Mm -hmm. trans, like being trans is like the ultimate difficulty. But I do think that there are some of us in the LGBTQA plus community that um, are more, are more socially accepted. Mm-hmm. And first and foremost are white gay men. And, and secondly, are white by pan. Um, as far as like normal culture accepted. However, mm-hmm. I will say that in the queer community, we're often not accepted as queer. If we're in like het presenting relationships, yeah. that's that's a whole other tangent. Anyways, I just wanted to clarify, yeah. but yes, fuck all of that shit that you mentioned for in the jar. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I definitely didn't want to put words in your mouth. Sorry. I I like, oh, I just like anyone that's not a cis man, just like, oh, let's all burn it. Let's all just get together and burn it. Let's yeah. burn all the buildings that matter to the ground. Just like and controlled band- burnings, you know? If we all band together, I mean, they're in the mi- minority, so... It's true. true. All right. Two two more quick questions. Um, sorry to to wrap it up here, but um (laughs) JT with the like time management. Yeah, well, you know, we've said 40 minutes, so what I'm gonna ask you three rapid fire questions. What's your favorite thing to eat? Let's say today. No. No, no, (laughs) not doing it. Okay. Uh what is your what is your current favorite place to eat in Chicago? Also cannot no. No. Too, many, too many caveats. <laughs> and your favorite queer or woman chef? Yourself. Um, yeah, me. <laughs> I'm up. Um, I, there's just ton, there's tons and tons that I support and love, and it's easy to say some of the more famous ones, but like we know about them, like Melissa King and Ileana Reagan and um, just woman. I'm I'm pretty sure she's not queer, but I don't want to put that all. I don't want to put heterosexuality on her if that's not her journey but <laughs> Courtney Burns is one of my all-time favorite lady chefs um but yeah there's just tons and we need to do better about recognizing them awesome yeah and then Rachel where can we find where can we eat your food and where can we find you online well you can find me at my day job um at Steingold's Deli in Chicago representing them Jew vibes and then uh, my Instagram is at eatrt, E-A-T-R-T. Um, if you just like want to get a scary window into the inner workings of my mind with some snacks. And um, my organization is Chef Friends for Justice, which you can find at cheffriendsforjustice.org. Awesome. 
Cool. Well, thank you so much for yeah. on and being our very first guest on Les Eat. We're really excited. <sighs> thank you for having me. I'm honored yeah. to see everything in production. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. It was so great to meet you. I'm so excited. Nice meeting you as well. Good to see you, JT. Good to see you too. I'm going to stop recording now.